You're listening to the NFL on TuneIn. It's No Huddle with Brian Weber and Cordell Stewart. Let's take you around the league with Trey Wingo of ESPN, also the co-host of the new morning show on ESPN Radio, Golick and Wingo. Trey, thanks so much for taking the time. Congratulations on the new gig, and how is the transition going to coming into work much earlier? Uh, Brian and Cordell, it is much earlier, but uh, as I as I put on my Twitter bio, not really a morning person. So we're, we're sort of in that in that weird phase where we're getting used to the new norm. But I'm having a lot of fun, and obviously, it's great working with Mike. Well, of course, you're covering everything across the board, but I allow you to stick with your NFL live stuff, Trey Wingo. When it comes down to the hot topics in the National Football League, give me your take on Aaron Rodgers and his potential opportunity to come back to play against the Carolina Panthers. Give me your take on what that team will look like when he's back. Well, I really think it's a kudos to Brett Hundley because if they had not come back against the Browns, I'm not so sure we're seeing Aaron Rodgers on the field. But with the Vikings' loss uh, and the win by the Packers, they've got a puncher's chance at the postseason now. now they have a game at Carolina, which if they lose, I, I think it's going to be very difficult for them. But remember, Carolina still has to go and play in it in uh, Atlanta, final week of the season. So it's a critical game if the Packers can somehow find a way to beat a very good defense on the road in Carolina, and they could end up with the same record at 10-6, and six, then they'd have the tiebreaker for a wild-card spot. Uh, look, if, if, if Aaron Rodgers is healthy, they've got to let him be Aaron Rodgers. You know, he can't go out there and try and protect that collarbone. Now, he maybe needs to know, as my good friend Herm Edwards says, who's now the head coach at Arizona State, know when the journey's over, you know, don't risk yourself, but play Aaron Rodgers football. And, Cordell, you know this better than anybody. Aaron is the best at second-level play. In other words, when it's not there and the machine breaks down, he uses his mobility to find that second or third receiver, and a lot of times it's Jordy Nelson for a chunk play. He has to play like that for them to be successful against a very good Carolina team. Trey Wingo of ESPN is our guest on the NFL on TuneIn. Trey, let's focus on a topic you've been discussing on NFL Live. Only a handful of premier receivers like Jerry Rice have ever been in the MVP conversation. Do you think Antonio Brown is a real contender this year? Well, it's interesting. He's putting up great numbers, but here's one thing that I think will will hold him back. Right now, Ben Roethlisberger is second only to Tom Brady in passing yards. Le'Veon Bell leads the league in rushing yards, and Antonio Brown leads the league in receiving yards. We've never had a team that has the leading passer, the leading rusher, and the leading receiver on the same squad. And the way these things play out, that might end up being the case for the Steelers. And if that happens, I think as well as Antonio Brown has played, it actually might take away from the argument for him being the MVP because of all the other weapons on the team. Look, he's phenomenal, and when they need to go to him, they find him. But I think because of those other two players and where they are in the terms of their ranks with every other player at their position, I think it actually takes away from his case and helps it. Speaking of the, the Steelers, and also you mentioned Tom Brady. I mean, that's the matchup of the year uh, right there. The, the Pittsburgh Steelers have done a phenomenal job over the last three weeks finishing games in the latter part of it, beating Green Bay in an emotional finish, kicking a field goal to Cincinnati and Ryan Shazier not being there and playing inspired football to now all of a sudden you end up seeing him playing against the Baltimore Ravens and coming down to the same thing again, another field goal. New England lost against Miami. Who has the edge going into this game, if you had to say, even though New England has the edge when it comes to matching up with the Steelers, who do you think have the edge in this game coming up? Well, it's interesting, Cordell. I mean, I think we have to put Chris Boswell as a killer B now, don't we? I mean, with what he did against Indianapolis, oh, yeah. 
with what he did against Cincinnati, what he did against Green Bay, and what he did against the Ravens, he is officially a part of the Pittsburgh Steelers killer bees. This game is fascinating on so many levels because uh, Marcus Cannon, the the best, really, offensive lineman besides Nate Solder the Patriots had, was just put on injured reserve. Uh, His uh, backup played against the Dolphins on Monday night and was really taken to task. So they're going to have trouble protecting Tom Brady against a Steelers team that has 41 sacks on the season. Only Jacksonville has more. So that's a problem for the Patriots. The problem for the Steelers, as you alluded to it, Ryan Shazier is not there. And Shazier is one of those guys that we first and foremost hope gets healthy and, and can go on with his life more than anything else. However, he's one of the few linebackers in the league that can physically and athletically match up with Rob Gronkowski. The Patriots went 0 for 11 on third down of that uh, Monday night loss to the Dolphins. They hadn't been 0 for third down since 1991. That was two years before Drew Brees, I mean, excuse me, Drew Bledsoe was drafted. That's how long ago that was. Gronk is going to be back, and they're going to attack the middle of that field. I think the Steelers have good enough corners that can play the Patriots receivers very similarly to the way the Dolphins did, which is don't give them a free release. Jam them on the line of scrimmage. Make them earn their way down the field. But the difference in this game will be if that's locked up, they're going to have a linebacker matched up on Gronk, and I think that's where the Patriots have a huge advantage. Honestly, this game feels like whoever has the last ball last is going to win because the Steelers are coming off a 500-yard passing game, and they scored 39 points, and they get Juju Smith-Schuster back. So this is – look, all signs point toward a shootout, so final score 10-7, right? Isn't that the way it always works? (laughs) Chatting with Trey Wingo. Trey, beyond the playoff picture and the seedings, are you buying that Jacksonville is the third best team in the AFC? I'm buying the fact that I think they're going to win that division. I'll tell you that much. And, and look, there's a weird scenario out there in which they could actually have home field advantage because they beat uh, Pittsburgh earlier this year 30-9, to and if Pittsburgh somehow stumbles down the stretch against Pittsburgh and loses, I mean, against New England and loses another game, which I don't think is likely, then they'll be a 12-4, and four. and if Jacksonville wins out and their schedule is, is, is pretty favorable for that, especially with the way Marcus Mariota is playing the last few weeks, tossing a lot of interceptions, that they could end up being the number one seed. I will tell you this, what translates and, and travels in the postseason, defense and running game. We've seen the last two years what happened in the Super Bowl. A Broncos offense that was really just there for the ride with Peyton Manning with nine touchdown passes against 17 interceptions in 2015, and that incredible defense shut out the highest-scoring offense in Carolina. And then last year, the remarkable comeback by the New England Patriots in the Super Bowl was really off one defensive play. After they had held the, the Patriots to a field goal, all that was was a third and one that Matt Ryan needed to run the ball on, and they did the seven-step drop. And what happens? Dante Hightower, strip sack, fumble, they get the ball back, and that highest, uh, the lowest-scoring defense for the Patriots uh, holds Atlanta pointless through the rest of the fourth quarter and the overtime, and they come away with a win. Obviously, there are real concerns about Blake Bortles and the defenses he will see in the postseason, but they have a running game and they have a really good defense. I think they could be very interesting. Trey, you mentioned the style of football that travels this time of year. You mentioned great defenses and and, and solid offenses uh, that has a running game. When you look at the teams that are playing that style of football right now, you could throw the Chargers in that conversation after the start they had this year and how they're oh, trying yeah. to finish. You could talk about the Jacksonville Jaguars and Blake Bortles and how great of a game, not a good game, but great of a game he's had playing against the Seattle Seahawks. Then you have the Minnesota Vikings, and we could go on with a few other teams. 
Have you ever seen a season at this point in time of the year be such a cluster to where you don't know who actually is going to come out on top and be this excited about watching football the upcoming weekend? No, you're absolutely right, Cordell. I mean, we've said this all year long. This has been the most week-to-week season in terms of team dominance uh, I can remember in a long time. Obviously, Philadelphia takes a huge step back with the loss of Carson Wentz. They might have been one of the most balanced teams. But, you know, the New England loss, more than anything else, and I know – this sounds crazy, but I, th- I think you'll back me up on this. Look, after they started 2-2, two and two, they put together eight straight wins. The defense, which went from being a sieve, uh, you know, giving up six, six straight 300-yard passing quarterbacks, which had never happened before in the history of the NFL, went on lockdown. And basically it's been the defense that has carried them toward the back stretch of the season. So when you see a Jay Cutler-led offense go out there and move the ball with Kenyon Drake and him making stick throws to Jarvis Landry and Kenny Stills and all the other wide receivers – I kind of feel like the rest of the NFL, even though everyone wants to believe anybody can beat anybody on a single Sunday, this is the Patriots we're talking about. They have five Super Bowl rings, the amazing comeback last year. It's almost like everyone said, hey, wait a minute, they might actually be beatable. And I think that everybody now realizes anybody's ball game here, especially if you get Tom Brady out of Foxborough. He's unbelievable. I think he's 17-3 at home in the postseason, 3-4 and four on the road. And that's why this game Sunday in Pittsburgh is critical to where the road goes through in the AFC. Trey, we know it's been an extremely long broadcast day, so thanks so much for joining us again today on the NFL on TuneIn. Brian, no problem. Cordell, always good to talk to you, my man. Yes, sir. Be good. Talk to you soon. You've been listening to No Huddle with Brian Weber and former Steelers quarterback Cordell Slash Stewart live on the NFL on TuneIn. 20, 15, 10, 5, touchdown. The National Football League is on. Tune in.